0: Hello.
1: Welcome back to Dime Comic Bros podcast.
0: You did you did you do the news? No. Oh damn. We really because love freeball. Because
1: somebody sent it to me Friday night.
0: And today is Sunday.
1: So that gave me 24 hours. Wow, thanks. What? Ah! Anyway, I emailed it to you before I said I would. I was listening to another podcast this week and uh, they had a guest on who does his own podcast but the guest kept speaking often so that one of the co-hosts was like listen, this is like a dance where somebody leads and everybody else follows and I was like that makes sense I get it now four years into this And, like, I'm starting to get the basics of how to do a podcast. So, normally, just without thinking about, like, the basic principles of podcasting, I make you lead because you're the talkative, wordy one. Mm. But you're dead. You're dying this week.
0: Mm. Yes.
1: Put the voice box away. That's so
0: 2010s. <laughs> it's not a voice box. It's just me. <laughs> so I'm going to leave this week. <laughs> that laugh actually sounded pretty cool. I like that. That sounded like a good, like, villain laugh. And I was going to say game. Bowser laugh. Yeah, like, I was thinking Hugo Strange, but either works.
1: Oh, I got a poopy. We got to hurry. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> just go shit. <laughs> I'll Bye bye, comic that might cost more than a dime? Come meet the brothers who are here to waste your time. Oh boy! So this is a news week, and uh, I didn't get to edit the news. Sorry to the one subscriber to our Substack that actually reads the Substack. So this is going to be another one of those fun weeks where we summarize the story. In a simple sentence or two. Oh, by the way, I'm Jacob. He, the, 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 de, the de, de dead one is Spencer.
0: I am uh, Boston Brand, the dead man. If only I was that. <laughs> guy.
1: I start uh, from the HollywoodReporter.com. Comics author Scott Snyder reteams with artist Francesco Francavilla, or Francavilla, but I think it's Francavilla, uh, for horror story White Boat. Upstart Publisher Distillery is launching the book in spring of 2024. They collaborated on the Batman stuff for DC in the 2010s, and they also did a mini series called Night of the
0: Ghoul. Which was a fucking bop. I never talked about it on this show, but I read
1: it. It on me. Sorry.
0: I read it pretty recently. It's fantastic.
1: Uh, According to the publisher, the Boats in White Boats are the mega yachts that the super-rich use to traverse the globe. They are floating islands where your every desire can be fulfilled. Getting invited on board should be a dream come true, that is, until the crew traps and transports its guests to a remote island where secret cults have existed for millennia, working on something called The Human Project. (laughs)
0: Very good. I like horror. I like Scott Snyder horror. He's... Yes. I think he's better at writing horror stories than he is... Normal stories? Anything else? Superhero stories? Like, he's good at getting that, like, pulpy horror. Like, it's freaky, but it's not, like, mind-blowing, if that makes sense. He's not out to reinvent the wheel, but he's very good at, like, writing, like, good chillers.
1: He does a lot of psychological horror. And he's very good at it. That's what made Co- Court of so good yes, is that man. they get into Batman's brain and you have to turn the book around because Batman is spiraling down the drain and it's really good.
0: Yes. Uh, Francesco's art is fantastic. Uh, their their previous collaboration on um, Night of the Ghoul was fucking awesome. Um, I read it during a binge I had when I had a, a Audible for a little bit. Not Audible. Um, Kindle. It's what originally was one of the uh, Kindle, like, Kindle Comixology exclusive things. It's Mm -hmm. now in print. Um, But it's, I gave it a four out of five. It's fucking amazing. Like, it was actually gripping. And I don't usually get, like, worked up over comic books, but I couldn't stop reading it. And reading it on my phone made it even worse. So, I've considered buying it in a book. So, if it's anything like that, hopefully we're in for something good. Hmm. Uh, Exclusive from The Hollywood Reporter, Creature from the Black Lagoon, comic book coming from Robert Kirkman's Skybound Entertainment. The comic is the second title to come out of Skybound's partnership with universal products and experiences, and continues its trend of taking the studio's famous screen monsters. Uh... Uh, Dan Waters and Ram V are writing, uh, Universal Monsters Creature from the Black Lagoon Lives. The pair are known for their acclaimed work in the indie world and for DC. It'll be a four-issue miniseries. Matthew Roberts, the co-creator of long-running image title Manifest Destiny, is drawing the story with Dave Stewart acting as colorist. Um, The comic hails from Skybound's partnership with Universal Products and Experiences, and the first issues will hit Comic Shops April 24th. It's... Following uh, the limited series Dracula by James Tynan and Martin Simmons, which looked fantastic. So this is cool. I think it's neat. I think this is a good direction to take indie comics, is to take more, not necessarily public domain stuff, but like kind of public domain adjacent stuff, you know, older properties and try to revitalize them for different audiences. Yeah, it seems like a good idea.
1: I don't know. I don't know. Oh. Shh. Also from Hollywood Reporter, Steven Yeun will not star in Marvel's Thunderbolts. Rip. Uh, Thunderbolts has been delayed because Marvel doesn't know how to make movies. It.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> what did I accidentally search for? I <coughs> yeah, now you're dead.
0: Uh, Jacob's, uh, like, Amazon Echo Dot thing took up his speech and started searching something. It's
1: very funny. Ian's involvement in Thunderbolts was first reported back in February, though Marvel never officially announced the casting. Five months later, the studio revealed a whole bunch of other people. And then, uh, writers and actors' strikes, blah, blah, blah.
0: Scheduling difficulties is the end result. Wow. He said he still wants to do a Marvel movie.
1: Okay. Amazing. That's nice.
0: Uh, from ComicBook. Uh, ooh, exclusive from ComicBook.com. Uh, Todd McFarlane has outside investors waiting to make Spawn movie if Hollywood doesn't make it happen this year. After years of starts, stops, and delays, Spawn creator Todd McFarland is committed to moving forward on a new Spawn movie this year, even if it means having to find independent production companies to finance the project. Literally, ask M. Night Shyamalan and James Cameron. They both love financing their own movies. Uh, The coronavirus pandemic and last year's writers and actors' strikes understandably (laughs) caused significant hiccups for the reboot, which has been in the work for years.
1: Also, M. Night Shyamalan has autism, just like Todd McFarland. So so they will be besties. It's
0: very true. And then James Cameron has like the high-functioning autism where he's like, Yeah, I'm doing an interview from a submarine. What are you going to do about it? Ask me questions about politics. I love it. Hmm. I love James Cameron. James Cameron's great. Even if some of his movies are fucking weird. Understandably caused significant hiccups for the reboot, which has been in the work for years. Uh, Though those obstacles seemingly... Yes. Yes? Yes. Mm -hmm. Though with those obstacles seemingly under control, it would seem like Jason Blum, who is currently attached to produce with his Blumhouse Productions is running out of reasons why the reboot can't gain substantial mo- substantial momentum. McFarlane did note, however, that he hopes to continue to collaborate with Blum <clears throat> so he can have the continued support of the traditional Hollywood system. Uh, I've been saying this for years. Todd McFarlane just needs to self-finance this thing. He has the money, legitimately. He's a g- badillionaire because all he does is make action figures of men and no women. It's his favorite thing to do. <laughs> like... No joke. For one and two, like he has the money, like just do it. I I do want this to be a good movie, though. Like I actually want it to be a thing. It'd it's be fun cool to...
1: if Blumhouse does it because shitty horror movies would be like up Spawn's alley, or yes. Spawn would be up the uh, whatever.
0: Yes, I agree. So
1: it's his alley. It
0: makes sense. It is his alley. This is his home, so it makes sense to try to self finance. But yeah. Do it already! Holy shit, we've been talking about this for like fifteen
1: years. An exclusive for the HollywoodReporter.com: Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comic book license renewed by IDW and Paramount. Basically, IDW is allowed to continue making TMNT books. Very good.
0: And that ties in well with the next one well, from BleedingCool.com. <clears throat> Uh, rumors confirm Jason Aaron to write TMNT for IDW's 40-year relaunch. Uh,
1: Anything Jason Aaron writes is a good story, usually. It's true. That is very true. Uh, mostly. I said usually. Usually, yeah. I was uh, like all-encompassing, and then I cut it short with usually. True.
0: Uh, I've been hearing this knocking around for a little while, but yesterday at Megacon Live London 2024... Uh, We got a more reliable source to confirm the news that Jason Aaron would be writing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles at IDW after their big TMNT 150 finale and a big relaunch for the Turtles 40th year of production. Uh, Another note that goes along with that is the fact that they're not planning on um, rebooting anything like they're letting the Turtles get older now, which is pretty neat. They're no longer 15. Now they're 16. Whoa, which I mean for a comic that's been going on for that long. That's pretty cool. It does. It definitely speaks to the quality of the IDW run that's been going on for like I think about ten years now, maybe longer. That they're able to get such talent involved from another like studio with, I would guess, not that much prompting. Just I don't know. He's a high profile get
1: from comicbook.com. Keanu Reeves. Is set to co-write a Berserker novel. Uh, he's going to. De- he's expanding the Berserker franchise with a novel titled *The Book of Elsewhere*, set for release this summer. Reeves is co-writing *The Book of Elsewhere* with acclaimed speculative fiction author China Miéville, who published works whose published works include *Perdido Street Station*, *Embassy Town*, and *The City and the City*. Del Rey, an imprint of Random House will publish the book of Elsewhere in collaboration with Boom Studios, the publisher responsible for the Berserker comics, which Reeves? blah, 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 blah. Do you think Colin will actually read this novel?
0: I think he will. Once he reads the comics, because I think...
1: He read a bunch of the comics already. Did he? Yes, he did. That. And he ranted and raved about it. He loved it. I
0: don't remember. But I can imagine he'd love it. I heard good things. I have all three trades sitting on my shelf waiting he was to be very
1: read. gay about the Keanu man.
0: Can you, could you even not be gay about the Keanu man?
1: No. Yeah, exactly. But Colin was very good at being gay about the Keanu man.
0: That's cool. Books are cool. I like books. The man's certainly trying to branch out his wheelhouse, yeah, it's, which is respectable. That's very good. Yeah. Uh, This is a rumor from Clutch Points, which is actually citing uh... Jeff Snyder via comic book. It's really hard to track this one
1: down, but it has been verified multiple times over. I was going to say, you said... Way, way back when we started, you weren't doing rumors.
0: It's because it's been substantiated heavily since then. I was just unable to find a halfway decent source to
1: read it. Rumor's not allowed. It's
0: not a rumor anymore. With Netflix's Daredevil series now MCU canon, which is very official, it has seemingly opened the door for multiple members of Netflix's small corner of Marvel to find their way into Marvel Studios' cinematic universe. It appears two of those stars are on their way back for Daredevil Born Again, reuniting them with Charlie Cox, Vincent D'Onofrio, and John Bernthal. Netflix's Daredevil veterans Deborah Ann Wool and Eldon Henderson are reportedly set to appear in Marvel Studios' upcoming series Daredevil Born Again, according to industry veteran Jeff Snyder via comic book. The pair will reprise the roles of Karen Page and Foggy Nelson, respectively, for the Disney Plus series, but did not indicate how many episodes they would be in... Uh, mm -hmm. In addition, the report outlines some of the changes made to Daredevil Born Again after the series stopped filming to undergo major creative changes. We covered a little bit of those last month. Uh, The series, which is still set to air 18 episodes, will reportedly release in two nine-episode halves. The footage already filmed will make up roughly six of the first half's nine episodes with a new pilot and two more episodes to be filmed. Uh, My note, the pilot was rewritten by the new showrunner as well. Um, That's basically it for this article The article's kind of jank I've been screaming about this for five years now So I can rest my case Good (laughs) 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 lawyer That too I didn't even think about that Dang It's almost like you can't You can't get rid of part of your primary cast It's a bad idea to do that Bring them back And then they brought them back Holy shit The defense rests So true actually was hyped out of my mind for this. I just am unable to con- convey any of
1: that. Starwars.com. The Mandalorian and Grogu is a movie that's happening. It's directed by Jon Favreau and produced by Jon Favreau and Kathleen Kennedy and Dave Filoni. It goes into production this year, uh, 2024, and it's called The Mandalorian and Grogu.
0: Um, Title stinky
1: I don't know how to feel that they're skipping Mandalorian season 4 and just making it a movie
0: they didn't say I, I double checked. they didn't say that they're canning season 4 yet they might
1: So I don't, I don't know I don't think I like this
0: I think it reeks of desperation to be yes. honest the, we, we
1: need to revitalize interest in the Mandalorian because we fucked that up but also, this is only made for the people that have subscribed to Disney Plus, which is a lot of people. But still, like it, it's not part of it, it's not gonna get the casual Star Wars enjoyers.
0: I'm thinking, yeah, you know, my ideal world where this has to happen, it takes place after, say, Mandalorian season five. The show is done. Whatever they've done over there is done now. They're still just hanging out, and then this movie is basically just going back to episode two. <laughs> like, it's not... It's just going from the ground up again. It's just what we, what we were sold the premise of the show on. It's a guy and a baby, and they're going to go do guy and baby things. I think we could go back to that pretty easily. Sell a butt ton of tickets. Not, like, completely retroactively fuck the story that they have told and or will tell, I guess. Because I do think it's, it's a decent idea for, like, ticket sales... You put, you put the baby on the screen, people will come.
1: Makes sense. Do you think Pedro Pascal will be back in the suit for the movie?
0: There's been so many rumors bouncing around whether or not he's going to be in the suit for the rest of the series. I genuinely have no idea. I feel like if he does drop down to just doing the voiceover for season four and or five and whatever crossover bullshit, then I think he would probably do it for the movie. They'd probably be paying him more. But the thing with this that is weird is this would hypothetically be relevant to the stupid uh what is it? The, the 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 movie they're making that's the the Mandoverse crossover movie which I don't remember what the fuck they're calling it but it's the they're pulling the Ahsoka and Rebels and Mando and they're making another fucking movie so like that's dumb that one was already dumb but not I think that makes it more dumb with this makes it dumber I'm not entirely negative on the idea. I just don't really... Until there's any details, I don't really care.
1: I just wish they were doing something unrelated to the Disney Plus shows with a new movie release.
0: Yeah, the other three movies that they've announced are, but they've all been delayed again. Yes. That might also be why this movie is coming out first, because they already have a lot of the shit built for it, and they could just make it over a weekend versus the other ones are very early in pre-production Right, but they want to keep Star Wars in the cultural zeitgeist at the theater Mm. speaking of Disney Plus shows from StarWars.com the story continues following the news that Ahsoka Season 2 is in development uh, mentioned in the upcoming announcement of the Mandalorian and Grogu film thing uh, they revealed a new sketch to tease the the show's existing the the show's getting a second season cool Um, the art looks neat
1: Maybe something exciting will happen this time, and we won't end up where we started again.
0: Yes, I. It's weird because I wasn't I wasn't like looking for a second season because everything interesting that they set up in the show is clearly gonna be paid off in the stupid crossover bullshit. But if you don't do that as much, like there are other stories, like all of the stuff with uh, Balin and chin it has nothing to do with anything else like that's an entire own thread which now they have to recast but like if you made the rest of this show about Ahsoka and then these weird not Sith not Jedi people doing stuff about you know having lots of pontifications about the force I will watch that but if this is Ahsoka season 2 aka Rebels season 6 then I'm not going to be interested I'll still watch it and it'll probably still be mid you know you get it
1: I don't understand the argument against James Bonding people, especially when it's Disney with like, billion dollar stories like Marvel or Star Wars. Like, I don't understand why people are against just straight out replacing actors in a story. Marvel already did it once, and maybe that's, like, the only thing is they got shit for replacing a guy for no apparent reason, but, like, they have really good reasons to replace actors right now.
0: Because they're dead? Yeah, that.
1: Or beat their wives or whatever?
0: That too. Yeah. I don't know. I I don't know.
1: All the Marvel movies that were set up to be in the future now are ruined like the king dynasty isn't happening anymore and it was like oh that was a little side quest thing
0: to be fair I didn't put it in any of the news but there have been some pretty heavy and decently substantiated rumors that they're eyeing a particular person for a recast for that good and it, it does seem like a good pick
1: because like so just dumping the king plan is dumb just recast him it's easy yeah there's other people's
0: all art is dumb Yes. I sound like Colin now.
1: Yep. That's because Colin's dumb. So true. (laughs) Marvel.com. New Spider-Punk colon arms race comic book trailer disrupts the system. Cody Ziegler and Justin Mason's Spider-Punk colon arms race number one hit stands on February 28th. Spider-Punk is Hobie Brown is headlining in an all new limited comic book series arriving next month. (laughs) Um, 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 uh, Reunites. (laughs) With an axe in hand and a chaotic band of punk rockin' heroes backing him, Hobie Brown. Quickly rose to fame as a fan favorite. Now he returns in a world without Norman Osborn. Spider-punk reigns. Uh, This ain't no victory lap, though. As Hobie and team try to rebuild society, Justin Hammer and Dr. Otto Octavius have other plans, like introducing the world to new spider-slaying sentinels. Get your first taste of the action in the new book. Featuring never before seen artwork.
0: Cool. I like characters getting sequels by the same original team.
1: That's cool. I'm pretty sure we've already covered this
0: I think that was a different one. I think.
1: Because I remember this quote Yes, there will 100% be a Spider Punk playlist, Volume 2. Maybe I'm wrong. I think we've already covered
0: it. Maybe. Oh well. I am a failure. What else is new? No.
1: Spider Punk.
0: And the last bit of news. Last bit. Damn, I sound hot right now.
1: Not really. Sound like hot trash. Thanks. You're
0: welcome. I love you, too. Marvel Com... This is from comicbook.com. Marvel Comics is launching a prequel series to the hotly anticipated X-Men 97 animated series. Fans are going back to the 90s for the upcoming Disney Plus series, which takes place after the conclusion of the beloved X-Men the Animated Series. Marvel Studios confirmed that X-Men 97 will be releasing in 2024, along with the freshly retitled Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man and the newly announced Eyes of Wakanda. All your favorite X-Men return for the animated series, and the prequel comic will fill readers in on their whereabouts to gear them up for their small-screen reunion. The X-Men 97 comic is a four-issue limited series written by Steve Fox with art by Salva Espin. The series is created in close collaboration with the showrunners of the new show and serves as a companion story to the television show uh I think that's cool especially because they're reviving they're revitalizing an old show I think with a different art style which is weird I don't know how I feel about that yet uh but they're clearly not just like adding another season like it's a re- it's a revival it's di- you know it's different like they're clearly gonna be in a different place than they ended it makes it's sense to make a book it. and this might be an easy book for you to hop on so you can watch the new show because you haven't watched the old show Wow I smart I has big brain my question is will Wolverine be Australian in this one keep him Australian <laughs> it's funny I love it
1: I read the uh, Avengers Twilight number one
0: are we not gonna do Echo first oh shit I don't care
1: I watched Echo season one
0: we watched Echo season one yeah whatever <laughs> This shit, good. Mostly? Mostly. Mostly. It's a little rough around the edges.
1: It. Yep. But. <sighs> I was at work, and uh, one of my coworkers was reading People Magazine, I think. Ew. I, I work with homosexuals. True. Um, But uh, there was an article about Echo in it. And I was telling him all about it. Then I was telling him that she rides her motorcycle all through the show with no right foot. And he's like, holy shit, dude. Like, how does she do that? And he's like a uh, 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 Harley Davidson riding homosexual. And I was like, I don't know, dude. It's so hot. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I don't know how she does it, but it's great.
0: So I think the easiest place to start off with is... Uh, Alaqua Cox, who plays Maya, is fucking amazing. Yep. She's, this was her first acting gig, I think, was doing Hawkeye. Yes. Like, the fuck? And then she found out
1: uh, on set that she was getting her own show.
0: Yeah, super fucking cool. Also, she's actually disabled. She really only has one leg. She has a prosthetic, and she does most of her own stunts. What the fuck? Yep. Why is she so cool? And it shows up on screen, I think. I think her, her her persona, if you've seen, like, any footage of her outside of set, is very different. She seems like a really nice person. But
1: She just popped a kid out, like, right before this, too.
0: Yeah. Crazy. So, like, most of the casting in the MCU is fantastic. It usually is. Quite often it's the thing holding the project together. Yep. I think this is borderline, like, almost as good as Charlie Cox's Daredevil tier, like, casting. Not enough material to put them on the same tier, but, like, she could be that good in the long term. Like, she has the longevity to do it. She clearly likes the character. She likes working with the people in this ecosystem. And she fucking killed it. Literally.
1: So, at the end of Hawkeye, she shoots Kingpin in the face. And then this show establishes their relationship uh, why uh, Kingpin knows this person or how he knows this person and uh, she goes home
0: Oklahoma
1: uh, and kind of pisses about and waits for him to show up and he shows up and they argue and that was it.
0: You're not wrong. Uh... I have, I have, it's my, my feelings are like 85% positive, but I do have criticisms that kind of should lower my enjoyment, but I don't, but I don't care (laughs) because it's so annoying. Okay. So performances all around are fucking awesome. Like the entire supporting cast, um, one actually hiring a whole bunch of native people is great. And to and do, actually they're really filming good in in like a, an some, actual reservation, yeah, fucking awesome. Like because
1: that's where um, Alakwa grew up, so she probably has the connection. It's true and knows what it's like.
0: Yeah, imagine like, that. I would rather, <clears throat> for a very weird comparison, I would rather have a show like this that has some certainly has some rough edges, but was clearly made with a lot more like attention to detail and like care for the material that it's working with rather than like the end of daredevil season two, where it's like arguably still better, like smoother edited and a little more coherent, but they're just like, who cares about developing the Asian characters? Fuck them. You know, Mm -hmm. like they're not entirely comparable, but like it, most of the issues here actually come across, like, mistakes or, like, difficulties. Not, like, just a a byproduct of, like, the machine. Like, the... Okay, my my biggest criticism is this was announced as six episodes. It's only five. They edited the shit out of this thing. Like, the first episode is 85% flashbacks mixed in with some new footage, and it really feels like it. And they definitely just trimmed a bunch of the storylines short. Like, the breathing room is low, especially for a show that's primarily about people talking and feeling things. It should be, it should be a lot uh, looser, I guess. It definitely feels like they chopped out large portions of this. For whatever reason, I don't know. I don't really care. But like, that kind of explains most of my problems. Like, between scene to scene is where it feels weird. The scenes in a, in and of themselves are all really good. Like, the conversations are well done. The action sequences are fucking fantastic. But between getting from the talking to the fighting is just very... Jake. Look, motorcycle, up oh, here. And it's like, what? Yeah. Like, that's weird. I think that's my biggest...
1: I was really excited when the kingpin is like hold her down and they hold her down and he forces a thing into her eye so that he she can see what he's saying digitally because he has this new cool stark technology basically that listens to his words and signs it to the eyepiece for her and I was like holy shit this is how daredevil and echo are gonna talk this is so cool and then she yeets it into the trash I was like no <laughs> I,
0: I did think that that was really cool the thing with that that I, adjacent detail I guess that I, I like is the fact that kingpin was willing to learn in previous shows mandarin japanese a whole bunch of things to like get ahead in his business world and do his own translations yet with this family member who he loves and trusts, he refuses to learn like ASL and he has to have a translator the whole time. It really comes across as Until the end. Yeah, for like three seconds yeah. like it really it, I think it easily demonstrates how little he actually cares for her as a person, even if in his in his own way, he does care, he, he's doing the Thanos thing. like yeah, he kind of cares but only in the way that he can, but not in a remotely healthy way. I thought that was cool. I think she's just going to get better at reading lips because that's what they do in the comics. They're like, she just reads lips in the dark. Don't worry about it.
1: I don't... Mm. It almost feels like this shouldn't have been TV mature. There was the one scene that was in the trailer where Kingpin beats the shit out of the guy. And then there's a little bit later when he offs his translator. It just, you know does the i'm redecorating <laughs> trick uh and that's kind of it yeah there's hardly any language there, like tvpg worth of language yeah there's like no violence outside of those two scenes as far as i can remember like yeah
0: the fight scenes are uh, they're well choreographed but they're yeah, fairly tame, tame on like the gore level it's I very I, strange Yes, I, I agree. I think
1: that, that I think
0: it was probably partially a marketing thing.
1: That's what I was about to say. I think Kingpin beat the shit out of that guy was marketing and that's it.
0: But I would rather if the rest of like this part of this universe is going to be this tone and rating, I would rather have it act like it's more mature than it is than take itself less seriously. It's not, it's not a good option, but it's the lesser of the two evils for me. Rather than having, like...
1: I'm just saying, like, if the story was so heavily edited...
0: <laughs> that might also have something to do with it. There mm. could have been other stuff in there, for all we know. We literally know nothing about Weird. that. So, yeah. When they do the violence, it does look very good. Yes. So that's cool. Um, Mr. Daredevil. I love how little he's in this. He shows up for one scene in the first episode for about three minutes, and he's gone. It's not... There are no cameos in this fucking show! It's just about the character! Ah, so good. He's very important. Charles Cockthany does a phenomenal job in this suit. He does more flippy flips than he used to do. He does all the flippy flips.
1: It's too bad that I don't have a way to portray this any better, but I was watching that episode, and, like... You could feel that Daredevil was going to show up. So I'm sitting here alone, wrapped up in a blanket, going, Daddy! <laughs> and then he shows up, and they fight, and they go away, and then all of a sudden, Kingpin's coming up, and I'm like, Daddy! <laughs> Daddy!
0: <laughs> so true. I just, I was, um, I think the marketing was leaning a little bit too heavy on the Daredevil stuff. Understandably so, marketing, blah, blah, blah. But, like, I was crossing my fingers it was only gonna be the one scene, and it was only the one scene. And it was short. They didn't even really talk to each other. They fought and had banter, and that's about it. It shows how important he is to her getting really close with Philsen Whisk. And that's it. It shows how well she fights, how she <coughs> fights, and that's it. That's all he's needed for. He was great, but that's all you needed him for. Also he shot really well in that sequence it looks pretty much like the same suit from season two, but it's the lighting's done differently. So I think it looks better, which is cool. Also, when he does the ooh thing, I went, Oh, you know,
1: <laughs> that translates well to audio. It's
0: true. Dude, when she does the spin kick and like the delayed spin kick, and she's just sitting there in the air waiting for him to move and then just
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: there. she needs a vibranium leg piece.
0: Dear God Almighty! She
1: keeps using it as a shield, which is a really cool idea. I but that thing's gonna get mangled. <laughs> I love
0: how well they. I don't know if it's just because, like, maybe she has a background in doing choreography or something, but the way that they choreograph her fighting constantly uses her prosthetic to its to like their advantage. It's so cool, like. On the one hand, just on like uh that must be cool to like be on set and not feel like a burden is cool, I would assume. That it seems like a good thing. I and mean, then like it makes it more interesting, like just to watch. It just there's more elements at play. And three, it spices things up. Cause then it's like you know, they're just like normally when you're when you're, you know, punching and kicking, you hear whap whap whap, and then you hear Doonk! like a big <laughs> fucking metal whack. It's it's funny, but like it adds a level of something, Variety. Which they did do in Hawkeye just not as much. So that was really cool.
1: I'm out of thoughts.
0: I have one final big thought.
1: Well
0: I am 5050. I guess this is a spoiler. This whole thing's been spoilers, but not really we're being pretty big, but this is spoilers. I'm very 5050 on her on, on them changing her power set. I'm very 50, 50. So originally in the comics, Echo is basically Taskmaster. She can copy or mimic whatever another person's fighting style is pretty much immediately. She has a photographic memory, blah, blah, which is great. Marvel's already fucked up Taskmaster, so this was a great chance to do it again. They didn't do any of that in Hawkeye. They just showed her being a very competent fighter, which is fine. And...
1: She is spirit warrior.
0: I'm so mixed on this. <laughs> on the one hand, changing her... Amping the power level up, I think is kind of lame. It it takes... It pulls her further away from the street level, just guys fighting in an alley stuff. But... It seems pretty well thought out. Like...
1: It was very emotional. It works well in the plot. Very important for the emotions.
0: Yeah, like her being able to basically like echo backwards which it works with the name like into previous generations of her people to use their memories and powers and stuff is really cool it does this is just a vibe thing it does smell a little bit like but we need the minority character to have a minority based power which is kind of weird that's an opinion I'm not saying that's what they thought they were doing. I'm not even saying that that's bad. It just feels like... Have you finished watching What If? No. Okay.
1: This season's rough.
0: Yeah. So there's an episode where I don't remember the character's name. It's a new character made just for the show.
1: Oh, yeah. I haven't gotten there yet.
0: She's cool. She has a very different power set. They have nothing to do with each other. They're from different tribes. No connection. Except the actor who voices her plays Bonnie in the show. No connection. Um. It's like it's like every martial artist being like Chinese. It's like that's a weird coincidence. If that makes sense, like I'm not saying that that was what the thought process was. I'm just saying I don't know if that was necessarily the best call to be like her entire. Because now it's not her her background is relevant to her character as a person but also her background is her powers. Like that, you know what I mean? It's weird. I'm not saying it's bad or good. It's just, it's a weird choice. I kind of like both. Like, it's just a weird thing to change, you know? Like, I don't know. What's a good daredevil example? Like, oh, like you were saying earlier, it's like making daredevil the spirit of vengeance where it's like, instead of him just having Catholic guilt because he's a Catholic, and he has lots of sex because he shouldn't be having sex because he's Catholic. He then uses his Catholic guilt to use the penance stare to send people to purgatory. Like it would be cool for five minutes, but then it feels really one-dimensional.
1: And conflicting.
0: Yeah, how weird. I don't know. It's it's not even really a complaint. I don't love the new suit, to be fair. Really? It,
1: I lo- like it looks
0: cool in a vacuum. It looks I, really cool. I would want it in my room. For other reasons. Uh, Like, I like it. I like the design. I don't. It doesn't look good as a superhero costume, though.
1: You are a pretty princess.
0: I am a pretty princess.
1: I read Avengers Twilight Number Run. Number Run. Number
0: Run. Oh, oh, but but, but real quick, we have to compare it to something. Come on. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, I'm gonna say, just under Punisher. Mm. I think it's the second, maybe the second best Disney Plus show under Loki.
1: I don't think I'll watch it again. Really? It felt like a lot of pissing about. Hmm.
0: I guess somebody doesn't have a water sports fetish.
1: I mean, it's good. But I just don't feel the need to watch it again. I'll go back to Daredevil or Punisher or something like that. But... Hmm. I guess. Meh. Meh. I read Avengers Twilight number one.
0: Are you excited to see her in other projects, though?
1: Yes, absolutely. Excellent. Very good.
0: Avengers Twilight number one.
1: I really like the character. And it was very important. This show did a really nice job of, like, establishing her as a character by herself. Well. Sort of. Not based off of, not mooching off of other properties. Yeah. And there was a lot of emotional stuff and, like, character development, and it's all very good. But. Character development does not make for very good rewatching. That's true.
0: You're not, you're not much of that side of it. No. That type of guy. Correct. You want them to be to be going bonk, 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 bonk. Yes. So you're going to watch the Daredevil fight on loop.
1: I read Avengers Twilight number one. <laughs> Written by <Chip> Zdarsky.
0: <coughs> Zidarskingers. It is,
1: it is uh, the Avengers. In a cyberpunk world, it's gone way, way, way in the future, and everybody that you know from the Avengers lineup is old. And, um... <laughs> it's that cyberpunk police state where the police are little Ironmans running around and abusing people.
0: I love this one! <laughs> I love police states.
1: I don't know how I feel about it. It feels kind of boomery. The internet bad and all that.
0: Interesting. (sighs) Chip's not even that old.
1: It, it, Hmm. it toes the line of like, this feels boomer. It's just starting to smell boomer. It's, it's not full blown, Hmm. but there's hints of it where I'm like,
0: Can you elaborate on that? Why is the world this way? Why is stinky?
1: I don't know. It was just like, partly because the Avengers is old men. So they're doing old men things of like damn kids these days in their TikToks.
0: Please tell me he says TikTok in this book.
1: I don't think so, no.
0: If Steve Rogers says TikTok, I
1: will eat an entire issue. (laughs) Leave it in. It's for the record. Oh, no, I'm leaving it in. I cannot wait for issue two where (laughs) Captain America says TikTok.
0: No, but not if he says tick
1: tock. He has ah, to say tick tock like the thing. Proper 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 product placement. Yes. We'll never get that. No, it's just a bunch of old men saying kids these days the freaking world sex it's all going to hell and whatever. So it it just made me wonder like how much self insert is this? Uh there's no more heroes
0: because they're all old farts.
1: Uh because it's a we <gasps> No. And they even sucked out the super serum from Captain America's fat dick. So he's and made just him a guy. Not super anymore. But
0: so he really is old as fuck.
1: <laughs> there's an underground that's going to rise up against the man and they concocted their own super serum and that's how the issue ends is super freaking Captain America gets a super serum shoved back into his fat cock. Weird. Yes, this was very weird. The artwork is kind of messy. There's a lot of layers to it and it makes it uh, hard to focus on anything. It's... (laughs) Messy. It's very colorful. It's cool. Like um, the sidewalks are just like digital commercials everywhere you walk. That's
0: cool. Elon Musk, do not do this.
1: It's a very cool idea. Like a a vision of what the future will probably be like. There's there's cool things like that, but
0: no, we can't have the future be extra stinky. I
1: think this is only going to be six issues. If I remember right, I think
0: it was either six or eight.
1: So, um. I'm excited to see how this is as a complete story. I love complete stories. It's on my poll list. I'll, I'll keep up on it, but I'll probably only recap it at the end.
0: Damn, fucking tastic
1: It's like six bucks or whatever a freaking Marvel issue is. Five? I don't remember.
0: <coughs> Too much. <coughs> I read Batman.
1: <laughs> Every time I read Batman, you're like, no, stop cringe. <laughs> but you read more Batman than I do.
0: Dude, I have an entire Batman shelf. It's bad.
1: <laughs> don't we all?
0: True. <laughs> do you even read Big Two comics if you don't have a Batman shelf? True. Uh, I read Batman Gates of Gotham. It is a five-issue miniseries. With no Bruce Wayne.
1: So who is the Batman? Dick. Hey. This is
0: during the time when it's Dickman.
1: That was one of the things that um was going off about. The the person she was talking with asked her who do you think should take over for Batman once Batman Bruce is actually dead, and she went off about how Jason has had like two chances and fucked up both, so it shouldn't be him. And, so like, true. It, it was a whole soapbox. It was very funny to listen to from the other side of the store. Go off, Queen. <laughs> uh,
0: this is a Dick story. So this is while Batman is dead, meaning Dark Side shot him with the big gay bullet and he went back in time because reasons. Don't ask. It's comic books. Um, it actually took me a few pages to realize it was Dick as Batman. <laughs> Um,
1: I think that's how I feel every time I pick up Black Mirror. It's Black
0: like, Mirror is so fucking good.
1: Oh, wait, this isn't actually the Bruce guy.
0: This is, I think this is the book either right before or right after Black Mirror. Ooh. It's by the same team ish. Uh, Scott Snyder and art by Kyle Higgins. Uh, Black Mirror is by Jacques. Jacques. Um They read very well together. Black Mirror is so fucking good. That's one of those, that's one of the Batman books I go back to like a lot. So good. Uh, this is about Gotham City's origins, again. Uh, the, uh, the What the fuck happened to Gotham to make it this way? Why is Gotham so steampunky and dorky and why is its architecture funky and shit? Basically.
1: Gothic.
0: Yeah, go- oh, Gothic. Oh, soy. Um, <laughs> there's a bad guy.
1: Is he actually bad?
0: Sort of. Uh, long story short, it bounces back and forth between the, not the founding of Gotham necessarily, but a time period where there's a lot of architectural changes going on during the Industrial Revolution. They're putting in a bunch of bridges and stuff. And there's a team, a pair of architect brothers who have connections to, like, the families. You know, the Arkhams, the Waynes, the the Cobblepotses, the, all the peoples. Ugh. They get in close with them. They get involved in some shady dealings. While the background of the city getting bigger and more expansive and more, you know, gothic goes on. Uh, The current time period is Batman and Robin, which is Damien at the time, uh, stopping some guys from setting off bombs near those bridges and stuff. Long story short, um...
1: That is very short.
0: The art is mostly very good. It has some Mike Magnola isms. I like Kyle Higgins' art most of the time. I don't love it for everything, but he definitely does an effort to do like a halfway point between traditional modern Batman and uh, Doom that came to Gotham, Gotham by Gaslight era type stuff. There's a lot of focus on the old architecture, which is freaking awesome. It looks really well. It looks really good. The faces are pretty rough, which makes it hard to kind of tell who's who sometimes, especially when there's eight rich white guys in a room talking about how much they want to fuck the city in the ass. Uh, so they have to constantly refer to each other with their names. It's it's a little annoying. Um, the characters have good chemistry. This is definitely after the big tie the big Batman and Robin chunk in like the main book where Dick and Damien were Batman and Robin and they got became besties and Damien is borderline more like Dick's son than he is Bruce's son. Like after that, so they're all on good terms. Everyone gets along, enough, Damien's still an ass. Like, so there isn't a lot of interpersonal conflict in this book, which is fine. It just makes it a quick read. I read it in like twenty minutes. Um The villain reveal was kind of lame. I followed it. It just wasn't very interesting to me. Um, the designs were fantastic for the previous time periods, as well as all of the different villain suits and stuff. Those were all really cool. It's, it's definitely drawn very well. It just... The writing's solid. It's a solid, definitely Scott Snyder book. I mean that with all the love in my heart. But it wasn't... Definitely wasn't Scott Snyder on his A game. I would say... Next best comparison would be Black Mirror. I think if Black Mirror is definitely like top three Scott Snyder Batman books, this is like a companion book to that, I think would be a good way to put it. You should probably read them next to each other and they'll go well together. It's a good pairing. But, you know, sometimes you need like you don't just eat a good cheese by itself you need, like, crackers or, like, a meat or a wine. That's kind of like this. It's a good hors d'oeuvre to add onto the platter of, like, dick-era Batman stories. I did not think of any of that beforehand. That was all off the top of my head.
1: I heard dick cheese.
0: Does that... Yeah, that too. Does that make any semblance of sense? I think so. I bought it for, like, $8 used from Bolt Moose. So, great steal on that.
1: $8 Bull Moose dick cheese.
0: Also, the cover is very pretty.
1: Ooh, I do like the cover. Yes. That's nice.
0: I believe the cover is also Kyle Higgins. It's very good.
1: I read the last volume of the first phase of Star Wars The High Republic. Still written by Kavan Scott. Uh, Penciled and inked by many, many, many people. So what's going on is... (coughs) through this whole run, the Jedi's... Have been getting less and less Jedi-like. They're having a hard time keeping their act together and being the peace-loving space wizards. They're getting pissy and are killing people, committing war crimes, and just not being Jedi. And It turns out there's a villain sucking the force out of them. Except for the one that's training the, the young protagonist. Uh, he's got a condition that is common for his peoples where he can't smell the force anymore. What? Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, so this book is wrapping up the run and chasing down the the bad chick that is sucking the life force out of people.
0: Does it have to do with the plant?
1: I don't think so. But I don't know what it is. It could just be the autism, but I really feel like I've missed something through this series. I just there's you might have. something not connecting in my brain. It feels like there's open threads, but it should be closed. I don't know. I'm special.
0: I think um it's because it's a multimedia thing. Mm. Um, I don't know because I haven't read too much of it, but I think it might be because there are also original audio dramas, YA books, adult books, and they all not directly tie together, but they all tie in a lot to like...
1: So the head Jedi chick uh, is in... Let's see if I can find her name, because I never remember. Uh, Abar Chris is in that first uh, paperback, that one, The Light of the Jedi. Whoa. She's like that person right there. That's, That's the mom. So... Um, yeah, there could be some, some cross-platform. Something, something like that that might
0: make you a bit silly.
1: It's been kind of cool. I just wish it would, was connected better as a storyline. This book has High Republic issues 11 through 15. Again, that's the end of this phase, this run. But There's there's more High Republic comics after this. And this book also has Eye of the Storm number one and two, which are really, really long. It's like half the book. And I didn't read those before I reviewed this book.
0: Yeah, those are, I think, its own
1: separate miniseries. Right. So I'm not worried about reviewing it. Uh, I got this book for five bucks. Cover, cover price is twenty bucks. Wicked heckin' steel I found it on the cheap bracket stairway.
0: So the question is, mm-hmm. are you one? Are you going to continue looking into the High Republic stuff? Yes. Then the second question is. Are you going to then just jump to the next comics or are you going to switch up and read the
1: books? I have the, the, the book with the mom on the cover, Light of the Jedi, written by Charles Soule, next to my bed. And I have read the first chapter. Nice. But that has nothing to do with commitment.
0: <laughs> just be that- warned that I, I don't remember if it's phase two or phase three is a prequel, which is weird. No! Like, the whole phase takes place before the other ones. I don't remember which one it is, but... I th- the total is, I think, per phase is... three trades worth, worth of comics, one uh, mini-series of comics. That's a separate book. Three adult novels, three YA novels. And then there's an audio drama that's usually transcribed into a book. hmm and then there's all of the, like, other...
1: There's a lot the, of shit.
0: The kid adventure stuff that nobody cares about. Right. So, be warned!
1: If I have questions, I will ask you.
0: Let's fucking ask Google. I need to harangue somebody, though, because they have all of Phase 1 that I lent them, like, three years ago, and I need to get that back, because I actually want to go back to reading yeah, it. Yeah,
1: it's unacceptable.
0: It's a lot of money.
1: Um, I gave it four out of five stars, because it looks good, and it feels like a complete story, but not in my brain. <laughs>
0: It is this thing, but not to me.
1: All right, your last review. Hurry up. The, the battery's dying quick. Ah! Ow. Stupid. Did you have to pinch to hit the high note? No. Whoa! maybe you should have. <coughs> I also need to harangue Colin because he's got a lot of my books and he's not reading them. So it's like, just give me
0: what else is new. I read Cold Spots. It is a book, an indie book, an indie comic book. I think it was published by Dark Horse or... Dark Horse or IDW or whatever, one of those ones. Uh, It is written by Colin Bunn with art by Mark Torres. It's the story of a detective, I think type P.I., I'm a rough around the edges and I wear a leather jacket type guy. He is contracted to go find uh, somebody from a rich guy. And it turns out, the rich guy is his ex-father-in-law. So he has to go, this guy, I think his name is, let's call him Jeff. That's how little I remember about this. Jeff has to go rescue Jeff's ex-wife and their daughter. It turns out that's who he's being contracted to go find is his own child, which is weird. Um, Jeff sounds like a
1: real loser.
0: It's true. He is. Um, (laughs) He's the most stereotypical indie horror protagonist. It's rough. I like that as a stereotype, but it is very like, "Ah, I don't want to work for you. And it's like, but what about money? And he's like, I will do anything for money. It's like, go fucking pay your alimony. And he's like, I don't want to pay alimony. Go do it and I'll pay you. Okay.
1: I watched an indie horror movie and it had this stereotypical Jeff from a horror movie.
0: True. Um, He goes to this mysterious island in the area That apparently some of the, like, locals saw the kid and the kid's mom, his ex-wife, go run off to. Um, But nobody goes to that island because it's cursed and the family that lives there is bad and evil and stuff. And, of course, yes, they are actually bad and evil. Uh, He crosses on a boat. It's spooky. It's like June. And yet it's icy out, which is cool. Hence the the title Cold Spots, which is neat. Um. Wow, voice crack on that Basically the occupants of the island are a big family That are all old and stuffy But they're also in a cult Like every old family They're all We need your daughter to revive our god or whatever Because apparently this kid can see ghosts Basically She sees ghosts Not kids see ghosts the artist But she, the kid does see ghosts Um, She can kind of communicate with them And kind of resurrect people. It's really loosey-goosey. So they need this magical girl to bring back, like, the head of the cult. It's really fucking vague. Um, the parents say, nah, fuck that shit. Uh, and then they take the kid and they leave. Action happens in the meantime. Some violence, some people get frozen solid and then shattered, which is pretty cool. Um... And then they don't go back to the father-in-law because he's a rich asshole and doesn't have the child's best interest in mind. So the family is reunited and they'll all be happy and fine later. Um, I didn't like this very much, which is a shame. I bought it for $5 on the used rack at Stairway to Heaven Comics, which for that price was certainly worth a read. Um, it has a really good cover. I just don't, I don't love the the writing and I don't love the art, like There isn't a lot that keeps me engaged other than the setting and the very vague outline of the plot. Sometimes the art's okay, sometimes the environments are drawn well, there's a lot of trees, there's a lot of dead people, that stuff's cool, the faces aren't great, the body proportions aren't great, a lot of characters look the same, and the dialogue's pretty rough uh, across the board. Cullen Bunn, is, a, is one of those writers who, if I see his name on something, I will always check it out, but I never really love it either. It's mm-hmm. just, it's a name I recognize that means it won't be, like, a total hack job, but, like, I don't really know if I'm going to like it. Um, I liked his work on the Deadpool books a lot more than this, let's say. Uh, for 5 bucks, it's worth it, but I would definitely not have paid, like, cover price of, like, 15 for this. I think it's four or five issues in total. I'll keep it. I don't think I'll reread it, but I'll definitely keep it. I need to expand my my third party publisher collection. Jacob, roll credits. My voice is dead.
1: I don't think you saw what I was trying to do with the stereotypical indie horror, Jeff. I did. Because one of the stereotypical horror movie Jeffs follows us on Patreon alongside Dan Caitlin. That's it. That's it's it. just two of them. The stereotype and the other one. I, I knew what you were doing. Yeah. Stereotypical indie horror. Jeff is a loser. Uh, yeah. Those two great people went over to Patreon.com forward slash Dime Comic Bros Network and signed up under one of the four life-changing tiers that they found there. It changed their lives forever. It put them on the alternate life path. They were destined for greatness, and then they went to Patreon. If... We tickled your ears in a comfortable way. Please consider giving us money. We like money. It helps keep the show going. Uh, and it also helps us go over to Jetpack in Rochester and give them all the money that we make because it's just a fact of life. It's a force of nature. Hmm. Uh, next week there's no DCB. Th- there's gonna be something there's gonna be we're a, a, doing something i'm sure
0: we're gonna have a dgb we're oh. gonna talk about video games
1: which means i need to write my review hurry
0: <laughs> the fuck up my boy
1: <laughs> i've been putting it off but i guess i'll do that this week and then after that is more guardians of the galaxy
0: more punisher and then more guardians
1: oh right punisher
0: punisher good punisher Maybe.
1: Yeah, I remember liking this one. We'll
0: fucking see. I have no recollection. Hmm. And then more guardians. They threw a
1: guy through a meat grinder. It's like the car grinder, but they throw a guy in it instead.
0: Wasn't that in the video game too? I don't know. And then
1: more Guardians. Yes. And then Colin's home! Not quite. Almost.
0: We have one more other thing. And then Colin's back. He will return...
1: Enough of your cringe voice.